Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Grog. Hey everyone, it's the Cider Shed podcast, a weekly podcast about the archers. Peter Fickling here, here with Kerry and Matthew. So this is the week we've all been waiting for, I guess. Alice has outed herself, or well, been outed, and uh, yeah, it, all of the chickens are coming home to roost. Guys, what did you make of it? I felt a great sense of relief, even though it was all a bit messy. And perhaps, you know, things were said that shouldn't have been said by certain people. There were points where I was like, oh, thank God for that. At last, this moment that we've waited for almost for years with Alice, where she admits what she is, um, actually happened. Not that this is yeah. the end of it, probably, of course. I can, I felt sort of like it's the, the finish to um, The Usual Suspects where, um, you know, we've been Kaiser Soze'd and we're starting, we're starting to question what, you know, what was real, what did Alice, you know, mm. which version of Alice has been true over the last couple of years. Like you, like you say, uh, Kerry, it has been a long and very slow burn the mm. lead up to this, you know, Nick's funeral and, and before that, I think. Yeah, and yet Brian and Jennifer didn't notice anything, despite no. the years that have led to this point. Yeah, Brian said he'd been working side by side with her in the, on the farm and he would have known if something was wrong yeah and and you know he used the word nonsense didn't he uh rubbish nonsense just was having none of it because uh, mm. it just hasn't occurred to him at all that this has been an issue nor jennifer that was one of the things that sort of stood out to me this so one of the topics for the week for me was just how implausible it was that people weren't talking to each other people weren't sort of acting in what i would consider to be a natural way so the idea I've I've been saying for months that the idea that Brian could work on the farm and not want not just stumble across Alice drunk in the office find a, you know find that his whiskey bottle had had a serious dent mm. put into it that Alice would you know because she's if she is this um, deeply sick and ill alcoholic she's not going to be consistent enough to cover her tracks that was one of the things that's always stood out to me and this week this week though that the kind of slow build-up of all those kind of um, inconsistencies in the plot have really sort of all added up for me yeah same goes for chris really doesn't it you know it, it all came as a sort of shock to him when the whole alice thing came out you know with the empty bottles being found and her going down the river and all of that it is incredible how much people have been ignorant or oblivious to what has been happening happening but going back to your point about um the communication between people um 
you know, would Jennifer have gone and said, hang on a minute, yeah, or gone to see Martha or, you know, been to see Alice and checked that she was okay after that massive row at the christening? They've 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 kept quite well away, and I know Brian was saying, "Oh, they they need what they need is space. We've got to give them space." And they both convinced themselves that that was the right thing to be doing because he said they've interfered in their kids' lives in the past and it hasn't gone very well. So yeah. let's not go there again. What was the nature of the communication that Jennifer said she'd had with Alice? You sounded like a sexy policeman there, Matthew. What was the nature <laughs> of the communication? Very sort of intense and very kind of scholarly. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, um, she said that there had been she'd mm. she'd either spoken to her before we heard that call on the show, or there'd been some messages. But the idea was that she'd been asked, you know, she'd asked her not to come round. And like you said, Brian said, you know, just leave them to it. But there was that, you know, that complete um, yeah. denial, really. From I know that word was getting thrown around a lot on Twitter. But it did seem to be denial from him, you know, that, you know, I've never noticed and she's strong under pressure, not our girl. You know, it was and Jenny was yeah. buying into that a bit as well, yeah. wasn't she? We must have faith. No one wants to admit that that's happened to their child on their watch as well. It's like you can understand that incredulity, can't you? You don't you don't want that to be the thing that's happening and you don't want to be the parent who hasn't noticed. The only other theory is is that the only, if the only other regular comparison um, com, uh, companion you've got is Adam, <laughs> then if you meet someone who's like half cut, <laughs> you probably don't notice because you're like, oh, they've got normal human energy. Mm. I know it's not an original comment, but the thing I keep on going back to is the idea that you know, for Jenny and for Brian and for uh, some of the um, some of um, Alice's siblings, it's, it takes quite a lot to trigger the um, oh god, she's got a drinking problem. Um, yeah. I know we've said it, other people have said it, but yeah, Brian is definitely a functioning alcoholic. Jenny's, you know, Jen, Jenny's turned a blind eye to that and joined in. I think you made the point the other day, Kerry, um, mm. on Twitter that, you know, when, why, why has Jennifer not learned any lessons from her father? Like Peggy, so Peggy was very strident and aggressive with Chris about Chris's responsibility. She was, she almost set up this week, didn't she? With the kind of prediction that Chris would have to prioritize Martha. Mm. So why, why is Peggy, why is, sorry, why has Jennifer not taken, learned those same life lessons? Mm, it wasn't me who wrote that. Was it not? Well, okay, someone equally clever and uh, uh, witty. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, and it was like when Brian said, um, I had a whiskey at the christening. It was a celebration. We, you know, you may as well call me an alcoholic. <laughs> yes, all right then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. we will then. <laughs> yeah. I do like the way that he just unrepentantly mm. just got totally smashed into the, the pulled pork and was handing it round to Jennifer and she was kind of batting it away. But that was when I, that was when I realised that things weren't yeah. as out in the open as we thought. <laughs> and he was like, like Fallon, this pulled pork's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> you've got um you know, you've got people like me who uh have constant paranoia. And we'll have to have a, a side conversation with Matthew about this mm. sometime because obviously he's probably got expertise, but 
I, you know, I don't want to upset the people in a restaurant because I don't want to eat, you know, whatever they have the imagination to put in my food later on. But, you know, you can imagine Brian wouldn't care. He just, you know, he was so like the fact that the fact that this food is, you know, would be for me tainted by this terrible circumstance. He, he was probably, you know, while Jenny was sobbing in a pew, trying to sort of like catch up <laughs> with these horrible revelations from Chris, he's going around with a kind of a, you know, bag for life from Sainsbury's filling it up with leftovers. <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible that he was able to focus so, so you know, um, dedicatedly on his stomach. Yeah, I was a little confused about the afters of what happened in mm. there because I, um, you heard later Rex and Fallon were talking and Fallon said, oh, I had to herd everyone out of the, out of the church. I was like, <laughs> should have given Rex a big stick and he could have done that, kind of got everyone out. It just I found the whole thing bizarre because it was this idea of, well, you know, I predicted last week it'll start with... Alice is back at mm. um, her parents. Chris will be back at his ah. parents. But it wasn't like that, was it? It was only half. That was only half the story. And there was a good parallel between no. how the Carters were dealing it and dealing with it, and how the Aldridges were dealing with it. I mean, you said a couple of weeks ago that there was this Peter. It was you, I think, saying that there is this class yeah. snobbery in the Archers, where you know, I think it was with the gown, wasn't it? Why, why should, mm. why should the Carters have bad taste, and why sh- and the Grundys, and why should it be considered natural that the um, the Archers and the Aldridges have great taste? And I felt that there was a little bit of an upstairs downstairs dynamic with how they were dealing with this, which was with the mm. Aldridges. It was just like. I just brush it under the carpet. Don't be so ridiculous. Can't be happening. And then when you've got the carters, it's like this is going to be awful, but we're going to get through it. And you had you had both of the me- the men of the house. You had Neil saying, "Yeah, this is going to be tough. Are you sure yeah. we can do it?" Whereas you had Brian saying, "Nothing's happening." For me, there's a kind of cold response that goes on. You say Brian, I think Kerry. And when <laughs> we listened, when Emma um, was being was going you know toe to toe with Brian on the doorstep and Kate said those very poisonous and what reminded me Matthew was those very poisonous and snobbish comments that Kate made straight after the row but when the row was kicking off I was thinking oh god you know where's Kerry what's she thinking how's she dealing with this because <laughs> Kerry you know Brian Brian took one hell of a uh, what was it you know Brian Aldridge uh, uh, Maggie Thatcher <laughs> Princess Diana <laughs> your, your, your family took one hell of a beating I mean, it was quite brutal Yes, yes. It's, I mean, Emma, Emma you, you're Emma anyway, aren't you, Peter? So how do you justify her vitriol? It, she was literally sort of spitting, wasn't she? I have every right to be furious. And what did she call them? Um, she said she's a complete mess of a woman. She called the Aldridges, what was it, the most emo- oh, what was it, emotionally vacant losers or something? Which was quite the line. I did sort of think, yeah, that's that's a cracker, that line. But um, And lots of people going, yep, that's exactly what they are <laughs> on Twitter. They wrote Brian in a fairly nuanced way because he did have those moments of self-doubt and he did have those moments yeah. of kind of um, curiosity. Emma was written in a very one-dimensional way this week which it was which irritated me because I think one of the things they've done well with her over the previous months is to you know is to allow her to be um to be multi-dimensional mm. but Emma and Fallon worked each other into some sort of frenzy about it didn't they and Brian he said I have no no idea what you're talking about to Emma and he didn't 
when when she was saying um she needs to stop trying it on with other people's husbands and Brian was like what are you what are you talking about he has no idea he tried he asked her to step back several times didn't he be careful what you're saying and it was you know almost like he was going to sue her or something he did say it in quite a kind of patrician patronizing way like you know I mean, I mean which is Brian you know if yeah, you don't he can't if you don't say like it in that, any other way can he? yeah <laughs> I, but, but it it's not he didn't he might have said the right thing, but he didn't do it in a way. It's the mistake my, you know, that I make all the time. Like my delivery sucks. So even if I'm saying the right thing, it just sort of, you know, it's lost. Because why would anyone listen to me when I'm kind of like jabbing my finger out? My, you know, my voice is squeaky and high and antagonistic. But Brian suffers that in a kind of sexier, more kind of manly way. Yeah, Emma was. You could have disagreed, Kerry. Now I'm thinking about Brian. I can't think about any other <laughs> any other human. It's like a shark, Matthew. The the, the eyelids. Go, she's operating on a on a sixth sense that's going very specifically dedicated to Brian Aldridge and uh, and Brian Ferry. Get, Kerry and I were talking about that. You've just got a strange fascination with Brian's. I do. We mean Kerry have spoken about Brian Ferry as well. I accidentally saw Brian Ferry in concert once in Australia. This sounds this sounds like a kind of a, a, an Alice story. I mean, how do you how do you accidentally <laughs> see Brian Ferry? I climbed the fence to get into a music festival called, um, I can't remember what it was called now, in West Australia, and it was kind of a dad rock festival. I climbed the fence and Brian Ferry was on stage. Brian Ferry must have broken in as well then, because he's far from dad rock, as I believe Kerry will remind you, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm probably being unfair. Mm. Apparently Beck was meant to be on that. That was the reason I jumped the fence. Beck was meant to be there and he pulled out just at the last minute. But the final three acts that night were, in this order, Bob Dylan, Wilson Pickett, and Ray Charles playing his last ever gig outside of the States. Oh, my God, that's amazing. That's a, that is a proper, proper lineup. So, Kerry, was there any bit of you at all that kind of saw Emma's point of view and started to sort of sympathise with you know, why she was there, or did, was it all just what, how dare she you know, molest my Brian? I, I utterly sympathise with where she's coming from in that she wishes to defend Chris, in that Alice has done her wrong in the past. It also made me wonder whether she kept that voicemail, you know, and that I was sort of hoping she would play it to to Brian and Kate. That might come out at another time, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but but what I did, how she was, she just lost it, didn't she? And I think the, the problem with that is if you are that shouty, and that insulting the person on the receiving end of it is not going to their default is not going to be to accept everything that you're saying yeah she's she yeah, she's like you know like i was saying about myself she she does suffer from very poor delivery mm. Mm. i think i think that yeah like you said you know that it was fallon and emma whipped each other up into a frenzy mm. that seemed to jump from the previous the the scene at the beginning where rex pushed Fallon's buttons when he mentioned Harrison and she went off on one. And I felt that that kind of led directly into the conversation between Fallon and Emma. She hadn't calmed down from that. I I, I think um, it's, I mean, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? With, you know, Fallon is, Fallon is obviously, you know, very upset. And I think, uh, you know, it's a side to her I hadn't expected, but her, her, what other people think about her seems to matter more than I would have suspected, or what people think about Harrison seems to matter more to her. You've got Alice asking Jennifer to go and negotiate some kind of truce between her and Chris and how that, you know, that's going to be panning out. But I think they've set up, I mean, maybe, maybe finally, from a completely selfish point of view, the story can gently shift from the alcoholism to all of the fallout. 
And it might be quite interesting going forwards because you've now got Alice on the warpath, mm. Fallon on the warpath. They're whipping each other up. You're going to have a schism within the house because I think, you know, Neil, as Kerry was saying to me earlier on, Matthew, Neil was so reasonable and kind and sensible. And he's going to, you know, he's going to be pushing for a reconciliation. You'll have Brian who will be pushing for reconciliation, but you've still got these things that can't be unsaid between the Carters and the Aldridges. Well, you've got you've got Jennifer when she gives her her rousing speech to um to that Alice. Was weird. She was like, "Fight for your daughter, fight the Carters." <laughs> like it was like they were going. It was like Sparta or something. They were going into battle. Yeah. It was really yeah, bizarre. Because she said, "Stand up." I thought she was going to give her a slap. That's exactly what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. And I thought to myself, they can't do this, can they? They can't have Jennifer, you know, um, <laughs> it's, there's a, it's like a heartbreak ridge where um, Clint Eastwood orders someone to lift their chin up so he can knock them out. It's an absolutely cracking scene. I'm not big into violence, but I'll, you know, Clint Eastwood. But um, yeah, I thought that, I thought that as well. I thought Jennifer was going to yeah. lay one on her daughter, which was, was, I was quite, I was very glad it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, we, we were saying, well, you were saying as well, both of you were agreeing and I, I was kind of like, on the fence really but you were saying how long have we been listening to this tipsy or drunk version of alice and in in recent weeks she she sounded breathlessly nervous and then there was just this moment where jennifer said to her they're saying you don't want to see martha and it was just she flat she flatlined didn't she no i thought that was really really good acting Mm. when she did that Typically, I always say the I say, well, I'm a parent, and this is how I feel. But then I always try and act to the junior. Well, I don't try and act. I feel the junior partner to Kerry. So then I always say, uh, ask Kerry. You know, as the more experienced mother, how do you feel? But uh, can I throw in a twist this time? First of all, what, how does Kerry feel about D- Jennifer's you know reaction to the situation? What, what would you know? I mean, obviously, I don't. You know, Max and Mimi are so far away from any of this but just putting yourself in the shoes and then also matthew as a non-parent how's it you know you know projecting yourself onto it because i think that's kind of fast because i think i'm sort of the worst of both worlds in this where i've kind of got the the emotional involvement of a parent but none of the clear-sightedness of you know that comes with experience like um kerry well i think jennifer at the very end of thursdays which is was the one that was on tonight um she came good really didn't she and said you know, Alice said, I'm an alcoholic mum. And when she said that, it was really powerful. Yeah. I really thought she's actually said the words, this is great. And and Jennifer broke down saying, I'm so sorry I wasn't there for you. And it was so genuine. And I promise, Alice, we will get you through this. And, and it took me back to um, when Lizzie was talking to Joy um, about mental health stuff. And Lizzie said, I'm so grateful I had people who believed I would get better. So um, I thought Jennifer saying that to Alice, we will get you through this. She's believing that she can get better rather than shouting at her for being a mess. And I think as a mother, I would have all the faith and support and all the positive reinforcement stuff going on in my mind because you love your child. Absolutely, yeah. And Matthew, what, how does it, how did it bring to you? Did you, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, you've got, um, you've got your guitar, you've got um, um, a cat. Did it ring true to you, Jenny's behaviour? I guess it did. I, mean, I, I felt that she, like I said, she was obviously the more, um, the more switched on of the two between her and Brian. She wanted to go around there. That's why it seems a little bit of a stretch that she hadn't already. 
And like you were saying, you did, you know, sorry, go on, Peter. No, 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 I, no, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to ask you about, you know, uh, um, how it contrasted with um, Susan's behaviour. I thought Susan was so, so caring and so concerned about her son and, and, all, and, 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 and a little bit, not better or worse than Jennifer, but, you know, straight in with, um, you know, practical solutions, how to lessen the, the burden. And obviously Jenny sacrificed everything and went around later. But, it, you know, what we heard on air, it was an mm. interesting contrast, Susan's behaviour and um, Jennifer's behaviour. I think they're setting it up. I mean, like, you know, I might joke about where she says, like, she actually said, fight Christopher, fight the Carters, fight for your daughter. I did feel that, and due to the fact that they had mentioned earlier, well, Mm. once, I think Brian said, once upon a time, we'd have welcomed them splitting up. Yeah. And I feel like they are heading for this tug of war between the Aldridges and the Carters. Oh, God, I really hope not. That, that, that is sad. That'd be very tedious. I felt tonight Jennifer was almost saying, don't worry, like, I'll deal with it. Like, she's going to go around and try and, you know, lord it over the Carters, over what should be done. Uh, She definitely said, leave it to me. Didn't you? I hope I'm wrong. But uh, when I heard her say that, I thought she would deal with it well. I I might be a fool. Susan's going to go full prisoner cell block H on her with a (laughs) a couple of um, D-shaped batteries and a sock. And, you know, <laughs> once you learn those skills, you don't lose them. Um, Jenny, you know, they're both quite formidable women when they're, you know, when they're when they got their mindset on something. Yeah, I'd like, I, I would welcome a change from this kind of breathless nervousness that we've got with Jenny at the moment. It's just um, I know she's like that all the time, but it, it's, it was starting to grate on me recently. I was one of the worst moments in the Archers over the last year for me was the the awful kind of episode, which was each member of it was during the um, monologues where each member of the Aldridge family took turns to kind of do little kind of pie-ends and homages to Jenny. And uh, Debbie was like, <laughs> and she just cares almost infinitely. And it, it just it was like, oh, God, it was so awful. Just know about how, no, her, sorry. The exact quote is, um, her infinite capacity for love. I thought, and this might explain the infinite capacity for love, she always sounds so <laughs> breathless. She sounds like she walks around with love eggs inserted. <laughs> She's always like, oh, um, you've made biscuits. Oh, Pre- Pretty near to climax when she ate the uh, pasta pesto, wasn't she? I was just so delighted someone had cooked it. <laughs> yeah, see, it's not that difficult to make women, you know, happy. It's quite orgasmic. If you're the person who does everything all the time in the kitchen and someone hands you a bowl of pasta pesto, it's, it is... It is bloody nice. It's nice to be cooked for, isn't it? Yep. So if there is going to be a tug of war um, between the Carters and the Aldridges, I mean, I hope there won't be. I think, as I said, it'll be tedious. Chris surely, surely will want to try and reconcile with Alice. In this current state that he's in, he won't want to. I think it's going to really take the grandmothers to deal with it in a gentle, positive way. I'm, I think I'm being a bit too optimistic here, aren't I? Chris sounds really, really adamant that he will not let Alice near Martha, and that it. And actually, I, I think I tweeted about this earlier. I think it's it may well take for Al, um, for Jennifer and Brian to pay for. Alice to get more treatment before that's even thought about or considered. Some meaningful gestures yeah. from the yeah. Aldridges. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because when when Jenny went round there, 
to the old, to um, the Carter's place. I mean, S- Susan and Chris just shut her down, didn't they? I mean, they mm. told her the truth. You know, when she made that thing about that comment that, well, you know, um, new mums mm. can be overwhelmed. <laughs> Chris just went, that dick. <laughs> it felt like it was, I could see it. It was like going round to kind of have a chat with the Sopranos. Well, we, we've been putting out some um, little sort of funny memes um, with the kind of, uh, with the omnibus every week. And, you know, um, if anyone sees them, please spread them around. Um, and the tagline on it, and I guess it's kind of the tagline for, um, the cider shed is the archers is real life basically you know sarcastically and sort of ironically saying it's absolutely not anything close to real life and i think that's part of my problem with chris's very strong and sudden swing over to um you know, what kerry was just saying his his determination to keep martha away from alice it's all happened a bit too quickly and i think that they, you've got this new naturalistic style which i like a lot in how they're doing the show but it it, when it's only four episodes a week and when Mm. we're only hearing these tiny snippets it's very difficult to shift your kind of um credibility if that's not terrible english shift your credibility to a point where you can sort of buy into it it's like oh we're here now 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 he doesn't want to give alice a second chance because didn't he just give her Mm. say they were staying together forever and just five minutes ago and i know that in real life that would be possible but that's not how i think about the archers yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, there are lots of sort of shifts which are very condensed and it it is hard to keep up with where you are with some of them and you think, it, you get surprised, I think. Like, oh, right, okay, like with the Emma, Emma thing. It's like, oh, right, yeah, I know you're a bit pissed off but you've gone really, really crazy, eight bonkers, God, yes, all of a sudden. Um, and if they could spread them out further, would this be happening in such a way? I don't know. These really intense shifts. It feels like that. Yeah, it is a, it is a lot to deal with. Um, talking of spreading things out further, um, what was Russ doing with Joy's <laughs> knickers for seven whole days? I reckon uh, he he nailed them to the wall in some kind of art exhibition. Oh in his bedroom well we found out we found out rather surprisingly that russ you know even it may be in just an artistic way does appreciate the you know the rounded mm-hmm. curves of a more ample woman and now he has access to these what we assume are quite capacious <laughs> capacious drawers uh, so, well, she did refer to them as her smalls and i <laughs> felt that that was meant to be there was meant to be an in joke there I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fully on, I'm fully on Joy's side. I'm only describing her in a way that she, she did her beautiful, wart-free, ample um, body, you know, as, as shown to the village. But um, yeah, so, uh, so Russ has the pants. He fight weirdly. They didn't pack up this, mm-hmm. um, this kind of art, this kind of alfresco art studio. So he just, or when he was packing it up, he found these pants. He then keeps yeah. them for a week. Um, and then now they're back with Joy. And Joy, you know, I mean, I mean, wouldn't you just pop them in the bin? No, you would ring and say, I've got your knickers, love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you've left something behind. You know, you wouldn't... Joy would be pet if you were ringing they're, Joy. They're probably very desirable undergarments. And, um, you know, she might be ample, she might not. She just said curves can be more interesting and... You know, most women have curves, don't they? Whether whether they're ample or not. I like the way when they were when 
when um, Elizabeth presented them to her, she was like, "Oh my goodness, where did I leave them?" And then it was there was the did she say Russ discovered them behind the changing <laughs> screen? But just the idea that uh, just I mean I I am I'm I'm obviously cut from very very different cloth to Joy because mm-hmm. the idea that I could mislay a pair of my pants like that just wander home commando. It's just not mm. possible. I wonder what else she had on mm. where you don't notice you've gone commando. I think a big a big summer dress yeah. in my head. A big summer dress. <laughs> yeah, so you yes. properly commando then with it all wafting around underneath rather than sort of that she Yeah. What an image. Wafting, Kerry. I mean perhaps <laughs> perhaps this is how you get a free meal at the orangery. Just leave yeah. your kex there. Oh dear. Uh, it was quite sweet, actually, the Lizzie and Joy interaction. I, I really was glad yeah. when um, Joy said, oh, I'm just making a cup of tea. And, and Lizzie was like, oh, no, no, thank you. But then they had a bit of a chat about the mental health thing because they're raising money and had uh, she changed her mind. And it was great that they actually spoke. And Lizzie opened up to Joy quite, quite clearly. Yeah. Although we didn't hear it, Joy said, oh, I didn't realise you'd been through quite so much. And bless Joy, she's, she's been um, super lonely in lockdown and rang a loneliness helpline, but rang the wrong yeah. number. <laughs> and got, got through to the yeah. HR department, Ended up volunteering for them. So that was Joy all over, really. Well, in, in, you know, they're very different people, but in their, in, you know, with their similar but incredibly different journeys, they both ended up in the same place where if you don't share these feelings, if you don't talk mm. about them, you'll, you know, you're, you won't be able to deal with them. And it's, it's a very attractive quality in joy is that she, she'll risk looking foolish. She'll risk, mm. you know, people disapproving of her if it means that she can break down some of these barriers and have a chance at, at you know, making some friends and, and, um, you know, not getting what she wants, but, you know, furthering her agenda in the yeah, best Yeah, which was way. why she loved doing the live drawing thing, didn't she? Because she commented that she just loved being out there, being totally herself and being accepted for that. Was that, was that... I can't remember the word, but it's, it's, it was something like validation, mm. wasn't it, for, you know, who she, who she was, warts and all. That's where the warts joke came. That was it. Not that I've got any warts. Oh, it's like the bit where she said, you know, like once she kind of got into this routine of being thankful, because she said, because before that... Sometimes I just stay in my my pajamas all day, eating cereal out of the box, and just getting through every hour. I was like, "That sounds like online Zoom teaching to me." Pretty sure that's what <laughs> I did during lockdown. Well, I think we've all had our challenges, haven't we, through the lockdown? But um, I mean, I'm, I've mm. been very lucky. You won't hear any complaints from me. But I um, one of the, but you know, it's it, everyone has had some challenges. But one of the things was like little routines, like making my coffee in the morning. I've now got this very elaborate routine. And part of it is because it's just 10 minutes of peace and quiet. It's kind of like accidental meditation. Mm-hmm. I only realized that, you know, fairly recently. It's like this very convoluted routine is just, and I'm sure it'll disappear once I've, you know, once I've uh, uh, got a little less, a little less time to kill. I'm being reminded of that daily MASH helpline, which is mother enjoys 30 minute holiday in tesco car park <laughs> it's just a, a mum goes out and just buys two yorkies and parks in the car park i, I never realized that the um the the cliche of the dad you know luxuriating in his daily dump was you know so true but just the absolute <laughs> bliss of locking a door in a toilet and knowing that's you it's for, like, for, you for know, me, it, a few yeah, minutes yeah it's like the seinfeld theory about the the toilet is the best room on the plane like you go in there the light turns on it's like your little office and no one disturbs you <laughs> 
Oh, I, I, some of my, I mean, again, I'm a cliche machine today, but like, uh, um, you know, some of my happiest moments have been on a plane, just that total isolation. I felt completely despondent where the first time they started flogging internet access on a plane, I was just like, oh, no, no, please, no. <laughs> because because at the moment, it's a luxury, isn't it? You have to pay a fortune for it, so no one does. But it won't be long before it'll be sort of um, default. Mm. But this suggests that we'll ever get on a plane again. I'm going to Portugal. Of course you are. Yeah. God bloody hell. Yeah. I think we'll we'll have to plan a couple, you know, a couple of weeks off. No, we can... T- uh- I'll be in the pantry with Matthew. Yeah, don't we're going to have to record from somewhere. You arrive on a Thursday night, don't you, Karen? Oh, I haven't looked at that. I, I've, 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 I've imprinted your dates on my brain. I think you arrive oh, on, a, on a Thursday and you leave on a Sunday. But this should be this should be like um, Prince Charles and um, Prince William travelling in the same on the same flight. You two need to make sure you know you don't take any unnecessary risks. Because uh, you know, I am I I don't have what it takes to fill this thing on my own. So please, you know, take care. Anyway, going back to the joy thing and and us saying, you know, those moments of privacy and quiet and are precious and things. It must we're lucky because in lockdown we've all been in households with other people who we love. Yes. But just try to imagine. I I don't think I can quite imagine. You know, if you are totally living on your own for mm-hmm. all of this time. Yeah must be so challenging i mean i i like my own space and time definitely but that's because i don't get much of it um but for someone who has that constantly i've got two colleagues who live alone and the moment we went into lockdown the first thing i did was set up a whatsapp group between the three of us just to keep the conversation going um and yeah, you know, I do think about that a bit. I mean, you know, I mean, look at oh. Joy. She made friends with a Robin. Yes, and called it Robin. I know. I thought she was going to say, I've given him a name, <laughs> Lee. <laughs> yeah, Tony. <laughs> he lives in a cage now. Oh, no, Joy, Joy, I don't think Joy's got that in her. I mean, I know you're joking, but sorry, I, just, I feel very protective of Joy. I might have to switch from Emma to Joy now as my, as my you know, my number one mm-hmm. affection. In terms of, you know, having emotional attachments to other people. I could almost sense the jealousy coming over from England between as Vince and Rex were bonding this week. Oh. Rex said that Vince gave him a lot to think about. Yeah, yeah. I think Peter's furious yeah. about Rex getting close to Vince. <laughs> I'm enjoying I'm enjoying Rex being back to the archetype that we were all used to. Um, I'm, I think I've blathered on in my sort of pseudo, you know, pseudo psycho, you know, psychological intellectual way about, you know, how Rex's personality has been sort of tugged and sort of stretched in all different directions. He's now just mm-hmm. back to being a simple, lumpen, boring, nice person, and I'm very, very happy with that. And it was also nice to hear, Vin, you know, another slab of Vince being avuncular and considerate and kind, although. Mm-hmm. Although I did find it slightly sinister only because of the profession, where it's this kind of like, I guess it makes sense, this very professional assessment of meat. It sort of yes. held a bit of an uncomfortable mirror up to me about my, you know, about in, my in diet. In more ways than one, maybe. <laughs> now you're talking. I, do you know what? I, I, I probably should have done, but I never went through an experimental phase. Um, and I'd say, you know, because of marital <laughs> vows, it's probably too late now. But, um, you know, uh, if, if Charlotte left me, maybe, maybe I should give, um, you know, uh, a Vince or a Rex a bit of a go. But no, unfortunately, that's never been something I've, I've enjoyed. Well, he, he got down in the dirt 
and uh, gave um, started giving Rex a, a hand with his arcs, didn't he? I felt that there was going to be. Huh. I don't know. I I thought that there was. Some, do we trust Vince? That's you, not... you took the words out of my mouth. What are they? What are they doing? Are they either putting in a hard shift to set Vince up as a long term character who you know to basically position him as a da- you know a good guy, a good guy, and so when he has some future. Um, um, arguments with the Davids and kind of Brian's of this world that you know we'll all kind of trust Vince and be in Vince's corner, or they're setting us up for something, some kind of incredibly Machiavellian um, turn um, from Vince. I mean, there was way, way, way back when some very dark murmurings about him when Eddie and David were at the the meet, were at the market, wasn't there? Vince wasn't a character on microphone; he was just this kind of rumored. You'd only hear his name mentioned in hushed um, tones, and now he oinks every week did you did you catch it this week peter yeah oh yeah yeah no and and i uh, um, i was over the moon yeah he's he's got a good <laughs> oink it's a very very likable <laughs> oink and that was whilst he or just before he was um convincing rex to charge more for his pork because it's 800 yards from field to table uh, that's worth a few more pounds per kilo. Yeah. So, which he's selling at the Orangery. You pointed this out, didn't you, Peter? That it's how weird it is for um, Vince to be persuading Rex to charge Lizzie more mm. for the for the yeah. meat. I I I mean, on the one hand, on the one hand, you know, you could argue that Lizzie would see the value herself and so she would and she'd also see the value in giving someone she's in a relationship with a fair deal because it will you know cement cement um their um how they work together and make things smoother going forward but equally you know you wouldn't it's don't piss on your doorstep that's a stupid thing to do vince unless he doesn't care i mean he he knows of the abattoir where rex sends his pigs doesn't he in golton he was like oh that's a nice little abattoir Mm. he's not a pig man though is he he's a he's 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 beef and lamb I know, but he did. He did compliment Rex on um, how there was plenty of length <laughs> and the fleshy haunches or something. Fleshy wasn't it? over the loins, wasn't it? He said. Oh, loins. That's it. Fleshy loins. I, I mean, this goes. This goes back. We all remember what Steph Casey was like to Freddie. Oh yes. And I, I mentioned in passing that uh, I feel that the cases might be a big old bunch of swingers. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and he, I told you, he was lovely to David when they went out for that pint. He's kind of cozied up to Russ a few times, brought him round when he was getting in a in a faff about something. Now he's cozying up to Rex. He's got his feet under the table with Lizzie. I think I think this is all going to end in some massive orgy. Oh, in yeah. in the meadow, you know, in in the hidden woodland. Familiarity breeds contempt, and we have to remember that. In Matthew, we have um, made friends with and embraced the the mind that came up with the play on words, "menage abattoir." Yes. <laughs> so you know we we shouldn't we should all, that should always be somewhere in the back of our minds that this is this is what's on tap for us this level of. Um, I believe I also said by day the man presides over warehouses full of swinging meat. Yeah. <laughs> Who's to say he stops when the clock strikes five? <laughs> You didn't have to double down quite so enthusiastically, Matthew. But yeah, true. Actually, I hadn't thought about what you were saying, Matthew. That that you know, Vince is of a type. And what was her name again? Steph. Thank you, Steph. Again, you know, chip off the old block. It's. It, I think. I think maybe of my two 
my two sort of um, very vague and amorphous theories, the we're being set up for a fall, Vince is actually a bit of a wrong and might be the more likely. Are they going to invest in Lizzie's long-term happiness? That's the question. I hope so. And I think, you know, I just think he was being nice to Rex and he could see him working hard and he's got a dream of his business. I'm being really naive and optimistic this week, which is very unnatural. I want the same thing you do. That's exactly what I want. It's just I don't trust the effing scriptwriters to um, do it. Mm. I, I feel like he, he might be the, 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 um, the sexy version of Philip Moss. I think he's going to have a dark side, but it's going to be just dark between the sheets. Can't we just have someone who's lovely? You know, another Lee. lovely one, like, like Neil. We've got lovely Lee. Are you not happy with lovely Lee? No. <laughs> I was joking, Kerry. You didn't even need to I answer. <laughs> can, I, can, I, um, can I indulge in a tiny bit of pedantry? Mm. Something that gets on my nerves in the discussions about the archers regularly um, all over the place is that people don't distinguish between the script writers and the story editors. And I just made that mistake and it, and it irritated myself that that we should, you've got to, you know, when you're criticising the tone, the plausibility yeah. of the scene, how it's written, that's a script writer. When it mm. is, what's Vince going to be up to? What's his long-term place in the um, in the show? That's the story editor. Sorry, it's off my yeah. chest now. But I, I make that mistake all the time and it irritates me. It's true and it's fascinating that they have long-term stories, you know, panned out, don't they? So they know where they're heading Lizzie for in 10 years time Nick's, and they the, know the Nick funeral mm -hmm. drunken scene was a hundred percent the part of this long-term plot for Alice wasn't it mm -hmm. yeah I mean I know that's obvious but it that it, it just sharpens the mind when you think about the time frame that what was that three years ago yeah and it, um it also highlighted to me um this week because there were quite a lot of youngsters in this omnibus mm. that we're listening to the future well, Rory, Archers, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. Rory, yeah. Um, and he was a darling, wasn't he? He was. He was absolutely made so likable. If there was, if there was any sort of vestigial, not vestigial, if there's any any kind of remnants of the slightly pompous young man who came back from boarding school a couple of years ago, that's that's definitely sort of faded into the background. And you had the scene with him lambasting um, Justin not so long ago mm. and then now his kind of gentle schooling of Alice about what you know actually what it is to be a parent from from the you know the the the, the perspective of someone who's lost lost a parent yeah I loved him talking about his parents and um he, that brilliant point where he said I I only exist as both my parents were willing to throw their marriages under the bus yeah and and um, Alice said something like, um, "Oh God, it's so weird hearing you say that." Yeah, because he he said to her like, um, "Don't worry, I know you always have to say that pretend that Siobhan was great around yeah. me." Yeah. And she said, "Uh, well," and she didn't try to deny it, did she? Mm -mm. Yeah, I I really really enjoyed that interaction. It was very tender, and I think that. You know, he's going to be there for Alice, isn't he? Like nobody else. Mm. And isn't pressuring her. He, he just sort of said, you know, uh, Martha would rather that you tried and failed. Not that I think you're going to fail. Yeah. It was, it was just very, very, very well phrase. done. Yeah. Yeah. 
and uh, you know and you got actually that's you know you you said um the youngsters Kerry, and that sort of mm. that you've got ben as well obviously he's friends with rory mm-hmm. it's nice to have the because quite often they sort of you look at you look at ed and jazza i mean they're two nice men but but fundamentally there was always a kind of sense that one of them has to be up to something or in trouble or whatever whereas with ben and rory you do get mm. i mean obviously you know in 10 years time who knows what kind of like ridiculous things can be thrown in their path mm. but for the time being you get the sense you've just got two well-adjusted men who are friends who will pro- who have the a capacity for fun and the capacity for hijinks but are ultimately not going to be causing us as listeners any particular heartache for the next couple of years yeah. and that's quite They're- refreshing they're respectful of others and yet will stand up for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. This is the story of my life is I waffle for two minutes and then someone immediately comes in and goes, says the whole thing I was just trying to say in less <laughs> than three seconds. So just I'm sorry, everyone, for wasting your time. Were you happy to see the return of Josh tonight? Yeah, I like Josh. Yeah, I kind that moment where Rex was like, well, I'll take the eggs, but you'll have to pay this and pay this. I was like, yeah, fleece him. <laughs> take him for everything he's got. <laughs> and then he kind of cottoned on that it was just a joke. And he's like, oh, we're going to do this. Jo- I'm going to do this now because we're, I'm going to be the mm. bigger man. You know, I may have, I may have completely tried to trash your parents' business on, uh, on Facebook or ever, but now I'm, now I'm, now I want to go for a pint and hear your business ideas. It's like okay, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it always pans out like that. But haven't you? Haven't you been there though? I mean, I've been there where I've been absolutely furious with someone because because my you know my life's been compromised, and then once my life gets back on track, I've got the time and space to forgive and be a little bit more reasonable, even if that. But you know, and I just think it's you know he's land, Rex has landed on his feet. He's having a great old time. He feels grateful and happy with the you know the karma how the universe mm. is treating him and so why not just why not just try and salvage a friendship with josh yeah that was a lo- lovely bit wasn't it where rex was like i couldn't be happier in this situation uh you know and when you think about where he was not that long ago you're right he is all loved up isn't he about yeah. what how how his life is going and he's passing that on by being um, conciliatory to Josh. I, mean, I, I don't want to freak Peter out, but the last time we heard him, he was down in the in the woods with Vince, and then he just appears, being very merry and very happy in this next thing. <laughs> I, I look. I mean, I I'm I like Vince. I like Rex. I like Josh. Any any hijinks and shenanigans between the three of them, or or more, I will happily embrace. And you know, and actually. They seem very keen on taking on social issues, so swinging, dogging, all the other ings that can, you know <laughs> that consensual adults can get up to. Um, they need more of it in the arches, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they are. I mean, they, they they'll hint they'll hint at a few sort of. Um, we don't want to hear them in the shower having sex like um, Kenton and Jolene or uh, Adam and Ian. But you know, the, it is a very vanilla place, isn't it? The arches. I mean, a bit of homosexuality. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just two people. That's just normal, but you know, like that's about as far as it goes in terms of sort of stretching the, no, uh, the I, sexual I just, world. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to um, push your buttons regarding Vince. That's all. I'm just one giant button when it comes to Vince. Just bong, you know, like bong, bong, bong. <laughs> that. That couldn't have sounded worse. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I'm over the, on behalf of me and Vince, I'm very pleased about that. <laughs> 
God, I was going to say that, you know, a couple of homosexuals is perfectly normal, unless it's Adam or Andy. Yeah, but, sorry, you know. I, I, I should have, yeah, I should have checked myself before I wrecked myself on that one. Yeah, it was like, they're just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's this, I mean, this is, uh, it's been said many times, they, they, you know, they're not homosexual, are they? They, they are, they are homosexual by name and not, you know, by, by, mm. by deed or action. Um, it, it's, it's a, yeah. it's, it's a very, it's a very, very peculiar set of character, couple of characters. Even though it was incredibly action packed, it felt it felt for me like it was just a kind of settling down of all of these kind of big, meaty, sort of angry plots. I mean, and it sounds it sounds absurd when you think about some of the stuff that we've talked about, but I I do feel mm. like it's kind of like a, a passing of the baton from one phase onto the next. I think it's all going to accelerate quite aggressively over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that was what I was just thinking. What is going to come next? I, th- I suppose it depends on how will Jennifer approach Susan or the Carter household when she's asking for access to Martha. That's going to be a key in whether it does ramp up quite violently and the tug of war happens or not. Mm. No. Well, so so what are your what's your prediction, Matthew? What do you think is um, coming up? I firmly believe it's going to be very delayed. There isn't going to be this immediate relief. I think there will be this this tug this tug of war between the two families. Like I said, I think um, money might come into it. Who who do they think can provide the best home for the daughter? And then, then they might throw money at the Alice problem. Um, mm. Sorry, that sounds a bit harsh. The Alice problem. They might throw money at Alice's problem, and they then might to um, try and claim that they have. Uh, both both sets of families might both try and claim that they have a, a, a better stake to um to look after Martha. I think it's going to be ugly. That's what I think. Well, guys, we've got our predictions for the next few uh, weeks, months, and years um, taken care of. Um, and yeah, I've had a good time. Hope everyone else has. Um, We've had an amazing week in terms of a kind of uptick in listeners. It's been. I mean, I don't want to give out statistics, but it's been pretty good i mean i was i was feeling i we, i sent a screenshot of some of the sort of analytics or what is it insights that's why they called them insights to um carry and matthew earlier on and we're all on a bit of a high so thank you everyone i i, I don't think it's in uh, it's you know i think it's in no small part due to the uh, a really large sort of uptick in traffic of people putting in reviews and um uh, um, forwarding the podcast on we've definitely seen a bit more of that um guys have you noticed on twitter and facebook a bit more action flowing around yeah definitely on twitter which is at the cider shed pod yeah i was happy last week that we'd broken the 500 mark and we're almost at the 600 mark this week so um you know there are more people following daily than there have been for a while definite uptick do feel on a high and um, keep them coming. Loving the Twitter interactions um, and, you know, tell your friends, share share our podcast with your fellow Archers listeners. There must be more of them out there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That'd be great. And um, just um, Kerry was saying um, at the Cider Shed um, pod. And um, was that right, Kerry? Was it at the Cider Shed pod? Yeah. Yeah. So I just just suddenly (laughs) doubted myself. If you want to email us, you're very welcome to get in touch. Anything we can do to improve, anything you want us to talk about, and that's hello at thesidershed.com. And Matthew has still not had my assistance on Facebook, but is somehow still doing an amazing job. And uh, yeah, what news from Facebook, Matthew? Um, Almost doubled the membership on the Cidershed podcast group. 
this week. Excellent. Similar, just a community in there getting involved and talking away about storyline, things like that. You know, like like we said, it's. I feel like sometimes we are maybe more Twitter based than we are Facebook based at the moment, but we're keen to change that. So yeah, the site. If you just go into, if you search for the groups, um, the Cider Shed Podcast, you'll find us and just. Uh, Join the group. There's nothing stopping you joining. A huge thank you from me. I've had a, a really enjoyed this week, and um, massive thank you to Kathy, uh, Matthew and Kerry, um, Kathy and Mary, Kathy and Mary. Oh, God, I, 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 I don't. Last week I was dog tired. I don't even have that excuse this week. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. But, uh, that um, yeah. should stay in. That should definitely yes, stay. In. Okay, I'm fine. But yeah, very little gets edited out. Really. If we were going to hybrid, would we? Would be we be Mary or would we be Kathy? Kathy, I think, is truer to your personality. You've both got a sort of a, a steel and an edge. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, you know, it's, you're, you're, friend, you're friendly, but, you know, you, you've both got a sort of a, a certain resolve. That's true. We're not, we're not married. You're not doormats. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. So I think Kathy, Kathy seems a bit better for me. Seems to be 90% me and about 10% Kerry, though. Yeah, that sounds about yeah, until right. Until Kerry gets your you know head under her arm and squeezes your brains out your ears <laughs> i'm going to show her i'm going to show her the finest meat establishments in porto so oh, I, I forgot i forgot nice yes well, i'll tell you what when you both come back from porto or well when kerry returns from porto i won't be coming back Peter. Tell me. Oh, no, no, I mean, yeah, we, already, and that yeah. might sound dramatic just yeah. for the listeners i live here well, this is this is if Kerry works for Interpol, this is one of the most convoluted and long, you know, uh, most drawn out stings ever. Finally, tracking down the, the jackal to his lair in um, Northern Porto to his pantry. Yeah. Fucking council tax bill. Yes. Well, that's uh, Boris Johnson's got a, uh, what's it called a um, uh, county court judgment against him. That was something that came up this week. So, Hallelujah! About bloody time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think they've already thrown it in the bin, haven't they? Well, yeah. Has it? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, fab. You know, our glorious leader. I mean, gets away with nothing. Anyway, uh, well, mm. and uh, on that sort of slightly sad and depressing <laughs> note, um, goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.